Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. How are you today? It is uh, already a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, apologize for the technical challenges yesterday, but moving on, we have, uh, what, nearly a 100% increase in voter turnout yesterday, as I posted on Facebook or on uh, social media. I uh, I said, you know, the quote, massive turnout warms my heart, but I wonder is the uh, is the turnout driven by um, contentiousness or is it driven by an obligation and a feeling of responsibility for the process of voting? I fear it is the former. I think the anger, the overall battling that is going on has more to do with the massive turnout yesterday. And obviously, all the lines were not necessarily just because, not solely because of greater voter turnout. There was, you know, what, 150 or so less voting places? I mean, that's a lot for Maricopa County. But nonetheless, uh, we have a great program for you today. Lots to talk about, of course, the um, the terrorist attack in uh, Brussels. Al Fadi is going to join us to converse on that. Uh, friend and colleague Seth Leibson is going to join us in the uh, second interview segment to talk about the election yesterday, the process, where we're at, the importance of being registered to vote in the general election. And then we're going to have um, Pastor Mike Salem is going to be in from Harvest Christian Church. We're going to talk about their ministry and background, but we're also going to talk about the vote that's going on City Council today for City of Phoenix. And that is reaffirming what they've decided that the chaplains will be leading prayer. It's just craziness. Kind of I mean, you know, <laughs> you take any one of these individual things to talk about and we could have a whole hour, right? I mean, there's just so much. But um looking forward to the conversations today. Don't forget, Hope Fest is coming up April 16th at Chase Field. You've heard me talking about it. You're going to hear me talking about it a lot more. We need your help. Go to cityserveaz.com forward slash HopeFest for ways to help, whether it be to volunteer, donate, promote. But it's a day of service for those most needy in our community at Chase Field on April 16th. Dental care, medical care, groceries, haircuts, clothing, personal care items, lunch. Also coming up very soon, Aspire, one night, three hours, just for women, an evening full of laughter, learning, stories, and music. 
Friday, April 8th at Pure Heart Christian Fellowship. There's two levels of tickets, general admission and VIP. I personally recommend the VIP. You're going to love these ladies. Shanti Feldhahn, Shannon Hoffpower, Carrie Pomeroli, Mia Kane. It's the Aspire Women's Conference. Com. Go online, aspirewomensconference.com to find out more information, get your tickets. In fact, I think later this week, Shanti Feldhahn is going to join me here. In fact, it'll be Good Friday. Make sure and tune in for that. All right, let's get to it. We've got a great show. Al Fadi is next. We're going to talk about the teachings of Islam and yesterday's attacks and other things. Thanks for listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Well, more terrorist attacks in the world yesterday. And uh, I wanted to talk about it and talk about... um, Islam and how the church uh, should be responding when things like this happen. And I can think of no one better than Al Fadi, who is the host uh, here on the weekends of the program Let Us Reason, 1030 every Saturday morning. And uh, Al is also uh, filled in for me and has been a guest on this show by different hosts. But uh, Al, I think this is the first time that you and I have been on uh, together right after an event like this to talk about it. That's correct, Tom. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. Uh, first of all, just give everyone that may not be familiar with your program just a real quick uh, summary of what why you're doing your radio show every Saturday, Let Us Reason. I think it's vital. I think it's something that we as uh, people of faith, uh, Christian faith in particular, need to be more informed about. But tell me about your program. Well, uh, as you mentioned, the program is called Let Us Reason, and the full name actually is Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with Al-Fadi. And here is uh, the point. Uh, I am a former Muslim myself, a believer in Christ, and therefore um, I thought that this program, uh, the radio program, would be helpful to both sides, to the my Muslim people to hear uh, from my heart why I am a follower of Jesus today, and to hear also uh, from Christians also uh, that are working among Muslims, and also to help equip both, uh, help um, reach out to the seekers who is a Muslim, and help equip and give wonderful tools and uh, resources to uh, our brothers and sisters who are reaching out to our Muslim people, whether locally, uh, out of state, or even internationally. So this is the essence of the show. Well, Al, we're going to have you in sometime to talk about your full story. Uh, it's fascinating what God has is, is really blessed you with, access-wise and other. Uh, but let's talk about the events yesterday Um this attack, you know, obviously people taking responsibility for it or taking credit for it, I guess, would be the better way to say it. Uh, is this really connected to the teaching of Islam? You know, it's definitely a very hard topic, and uh, um, even the question itself um, usually, um, you know, requires a careful answer. Um, first of all, I want to make sure uh, we understand that uh, Muslims are created in the image of God, and our Lord Jesus Christ died for everybody, all people, including our Muslim people. So yeah. we ought to think of them this way. 
Now, when it comes to the teaching of the uh, religion itself, Islam, and its primary sources, what I mean by the primary sources, the Quran, that a Muslim believe it is the absolute word of God revealed to their prophet Muhammad 14 centuries ago, and the teaching of the prophet of Islam himself, and also the historical interpretation by Islamic scholars in the last 14 centuries as it relates to the topic of jihad, which is the act yesterday, we call it terror attack. A Muslim like ISIS and their uh, uh, fighters, they call it uh, a jihad. The reason why it is done is because they truly believe, according to imperatives and commands that are found in the Quran, specifically in chapter 9 of the Quran, that Muslims are to carry out an act of uh, basically attack and terrorizing the unbelievers, that really doesn't uh, single out just Westerners, I want to be fair, unbelievers to a Muslim mind who is a hardliner, who is a jihadi, is anyone who doesn't um, follow the teaching of Islam according to their own interpretation, which means it could be some even cultural Muslims and nominal Muslims included, as we have seen recently in the wave of refugees that includes a lot of Muslims that has to be uh, basically kicked out of their places and their homes in Iraq and in Kurdistan and also in Syria. And the reason why they want to do it is, like I said, there are imperatives in there calling out for them to spread Islam by any means, including terror and fear, and make sure that Islam becomes the dominant religion, instituting Sharia law, which is the Islamic law. And at the same time to them, it's a win-win both ways. If physically they succeed, then Islam becomes a superior religion. If they die, they truly believe they're going straight to paradise, and they are going to receive a lot of rewards, no judgment, sins are forgiven, and so on and so forth. Al Fadi is my guest. He's the host of Let Us Reason, 1030 every Saturday morning here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, talking about the attacks in uh, Brussels, Belgium. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you've kind of touched on why uh, these radicals want to carry out these attacks. Uh, you know, that's two pretty strong, from their point of view, reasons, because either Islam becomes the dominant religion or they get, you know, personal reward. Right. How, 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 do these, how, how do they get into that thinking, though? I, I mean, is it is it uh, is it something that just comes along late in life, or do they uh, start this very early age? How do they uh, these suicide bombers and those that make these type of sacrifices for these uh, horrific attacks? Uh, how did they get to that point? And I, it's an excellent question, Tom. Obviously, we want to emphasize that there's about 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, and only a handful. I mean, uh, technically, if we want to call it a handful, it's about five to ten percent of that. Uh, that what we call uh, basically fundamentalist, and even few out of the fundamentalists will be willing to go to the extreme of sacrifice in their life in such a manner. Of course, uh, how they get to that point um, really has to do with where they are raised, what kind of school in Islamic schooling they have attended, how young they were when they began to uh, hear those kind of teachings, and uh, how isolated were they also from um, other things around them. Now, what is so baffling about this trend that we're seeing is that it's coming out of people who are actually born in Europe, 
They have European citizenship. They're second or third generations, but it's still they've been isolated uh, from others around them. And one way or another, they felt hopeless, and they felt that uh, uh, basically uh, uh, doing, uh, you know, uh, obeying the calling, if you wish, for jihad is the ultimate hope that they have in terms of God accepting them and rewarding them, either earthly or heavenly. So it's a brainwashing that certainly will take place whether you are a young person growing up this way, as I did, or uh, you convert to Islam, or you become religious all of a sudden, and now you're isolated completely from anything around you, from all the elements, from all the uh, cultural uh, attractions around you, and even people of other faith, and you begin really ingrained into this teaching uh, with the hope that there is a reward that awaits you. And it's phenomenal how uh, people can just switch, you know, basically around within a year sometimes from being so liberal into becoming so radical. Mm. It is, uh, I want to be delicate with this question, but it seems like the advent of the 24-hour news cycle and the uh, proliferation of any little bit of news uh, so quickly around the world, these uh, these men and women even uh, can get national attention with these attacks. It, is it true that the attacks are more frequent and are more bold now than they say were a decade or two ago before the this uh, media frenzy about uh, about Islam, radical Islam? Absolutely. Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, We are witnessing now a a larger increased amount of those activities. Doesn't mean it never happened before, but uh, suicide bombing probably, if you go back to the 70s, it was there, but nothing uh, to the magnitude of we're seeing. No doubt, uh, you know, they know that they are, it is going to be an uprise as a result of this uh, uproar, I should say. Uh, A lot of people will be concerned or a lot of people will be excited, depending which side you're on. And you have the YouTube, and you have the uh, Twitter, and you have all the social media that will spread the news so fast. So it serves a lot of purposes. Uh, Propaganda is one of those, to attract basically those who are still on the fence, basically not not so sure they want to do it or not. And uh, we have to keep in mind that this particular attack that took place yesterday uh, sends two messages. Number one, ISIS is still alive. uh, despite what the media is trying to say. So ISIS is trying to tell us, we're alive, we, uh, we're kicking, uh, we can do it, uh, uh, don't worry about what you hear. And obviously they're sending a message to their own uh, sympathizers this way, or even supporters. But the second thing is, it seems like it was so quickly, right after the arrest of um, one of the masterminds uh, in Brussels, mm-hmm. and uh, the, of course uh, um, something uh, tells me that they probably were concerned that he might spill the beans, so they wanted to do something right away. Yeah, uh, retaliation, uh, really quickly. That's yeah, the two aspects there. Uh, we've got about three minutes left, Al, and how do we react? How, how, does the ch- how should the church react uh, like you started out with, I was so grateful for how you talked about the fact that Christ died for all, right? That none should perish is what the Bible tells us. Um, how should the church react to these types of acts and even dialoguing about this issue? Absolutely. Uh, we need to be mindful of the fact that Jesus loved us even though we were ugly, uh, uh, we were evil, we were sinners. 
uh, and if he uh, humbled himself all the way from heaven uh, to come down to our level uh, to meet us and to embrace us and to die for us, I think this tells us something about who we are in Christ, that we ought to reach out to our Muslim people, not to use a broad brush and uh, consider all of them the same, and to really consider this a, a golden opportunity now to reach out to the community, the Muslim community at all levels, whether immigrants, refugees, students, and uh, begin to share the message of peace, because in a Muslim basically right now is in a state of confusion because they're seeing Muslims killing Muslims now. And uh, to me, um, if uh, this is what they're seeing, then obviously they're wondering, where is the religion of peace that we thought we're following? So Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we ought to really consider this a golden opportunity to share that message of hope with them. And there are many ways we can reach out to them. If they're students, sometimes they need help with as simple as just learning English. Uh, or just learning the culture. If they're refugees, obviously they have a lot of needs that that they uh, need to be met, but they are very vulnerable to the gospel now because they are desperate to hear any message of hope. And if they're immigrants, we have to really make the time to go to their communities, to their stores. Uh, They're hospitable people, they're welcoming people, and we need to learn that culture by engaging with them, not just by reading books and sitting behind, uh, you know, basically barriers and uh, trying to fear. uh, Because if we let fear... They called of our life, then we are not really following the gospel. Yeah. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more if they want to uh, even have you come speak at their uh, church or Sunday school class? How do they get a hold of you? They can email me at Sira Ministries. The word ministries is plural. Sira, C-I-R-A, ministries at gmail.com. All right, Al, thanks. And again, uh, let's have you in for a full program just to hear your personal story because it's fascinating and God-ordained. And uh, so thankful that you took some time uh, to help us understand a little bit today. Yes, you're, sir, listening to, uh, you're listening to Quinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ friend and colleague Seth Liebson joins me next here on Quinonia. When I asked my next guest to join me today, I was originally thinking the voter turnout and some uh, election importance, having forgotten completely that my uh, colleague and uh, friend, I can call you friend, right? That's good. Sure. Uh, Seth Leibson uh, also could uh, continue on with the topic that we just spent 13 minutes on as a uh, co-author of the book, Fight of Our Lives. Uh and since I didn't prep you on this, are you willing to say anything regarding yesterday's attack? Tom, it's nice to be here. You know, I can, I'll, I'll talk about anything, and hopefully someone will find something. <laughs> I mean, you, we can talk music if you want. Anything but football. Okay. How long have you had this show? Uh, this is my second go-round. We're coming up five years this uh, this summer. Well, it's nice to be here for once. And uh, I think this is the first. It's certainly it's, the first time you've been on with me live. Yes, it's very nice. I've been on with you live. Any recorded. number of times. Yeah, here we go. Any number Any of times. Number nice of to be here on my maiden voyage. <laughs> and I and I like the production uh I like the production skill that goes into it. Book me for one topic, go live and oh we're oh, going to do something way, else. I mean, you did write a book on it so you should have some working knowledge. You were with a person of import earlier today. <laughs> Not a right? person of interest, right? <laughs> Tom, honestly, it's great to be here. At some point, you'll introduce me by name, I assume. I said Seth Leibson. Okay. How many times do I have to say I have to say it more times than I say my own Repetition name. Repetition is the essence of pedagogy. Seth 
Leapson, thank you, who is on our sister station nine sixty, the Patriot, every weekday evening. Uh, I, you and I met very, 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 very early in the morning. Some what? Five years ago, yeah, six a, years we've ago. We've known each other a while now. You've been and, a very good uh, friend. I have to say, in all candor, also a very good coach and very helpful. You've been uh, responsible for the launch of a lot of radio personalities, a lot of radio careers, Tom. And your reputation in this community um, precedes you in, in many aspects, in many places. Wherever I go, I, I'm cast under the shadow of, do you know Tom yeah, Brown? Right. <laughs> no, I am. I, it's a compliment to you. And, well, and thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I... Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit, and I hadn't thought about it till uh, I was talking with Al Fadi. Uh, the attacks yesterday. You have a great book, uh, I, a book that I recommend that anybody read uh, that has any concern. Even if you don't have concern, this will give you some uh, some real working knowledge about the fight of our lives with Islam. We, Al and I, we talked about you know, uh, my Christ died for them as well as me. But there are some there are some realities in Islam that our government currently, this administration in particular, uh, just kind of ignores as if they're not really our enemy. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 pretty unfortunate. Um, And it goes back a couple years now. And if it weren't unfortunate, it would have been stopped two years ago, almost two years ago. Now, President Obama was asked about. ISIS in the New Yorker magazine, and he said um, they were junior varsity and we were not concerned about them. Can you imagine wow. how the world would stand today if if back then they were actually known as varsity? Mm-hmm. We almost don't talk about al-Qaeda anymore. They are so important ISIS, so lethal, so spread out, now sending hundreds of fighters into Europe. By fighters, I mean suicide bombers. Can you imagine if we had a president and national security apparatus that actually took what I do think is the fight of our lives, seriously. Still doesn't get it. Today, he on Argentina, he spoke in Argentina and said today, very uh, today, he said ISIS is not an existential threat to the United States. Wow. Well, it may or may not be, but to say it is not the day after it became an existential threat to Brussels is callous at best and certainly gives us no convincing, certainly gives us no hope that our president is actually on the case, which should be the first case, national security. That's what our founders said the first job, the chief job of the United States president, of the president of the United States was, John Jay and the Federalist. He said it's first national security. I think that the way this administration has handled this issue and others is one of the reasons that we had a 100% increase in voter turnout yesterday for presidential preference election. Now, a lot of the long lines were because of fewer voting, but that you can't argue with the fact that normally in presidential preference, we were lucky if we get 30 percent voter turnout. It was upwards of 60 yesterday. Yeah, very high turnout yesterday. Evidently unexpected may have some serious repercussions for the county recorder in Maricopa County, who's admitting Helen Purcell that she undercounted and underestimated uh, what uh, what would be needed. Um, the reports of the long lines are at once gratifying to see so many people participating. And on the other hand, somewhat uh, too bad right. that so many people had to wait so long to vote. Uh, if we had the same number of voting booths, the same number of polling places as we did two years ago, we wouldn't have had such long lines. 
But yeah, big turnout. 250,000 people voted for Donald Trump, 135,000 voted for Ted Cruz, and half 100,000 voted for John Kasich. That's pretty big. That's That's just Republicans. That's a lot. And uh, I made mention on social media that, you know, my uh, my heart is warmed by the, you know, the the term massive turnout. But I think it's the contentiousness that—ness— that is uh, causing this, and that's that's kind of sad. Yeah, we shouldn't make it hard for people to vote in, in in Arizona or anywhere in America, you know. Especially as we're condemning, I hope we're condemning. I hope you're condemning. We can talk about it if you want. Where they don't get real rights to vote, where the president was yesterday and the day before, places like hmm. Cuba, right? You know, it's it's not one man one vote. It's one man one dissident, one man one political prisoner, or places like Saudi Arabia, one man one slave as your previous guests would attest to. So, yeah, we should be able to have one man able to vote on time and efficiently. It's uh, it's too bad that we can't get that done in 2016. Seth Leibson, my uh, colleague and uh, talk host on 960 The Patriot, my guest for this segment, uh, the importance of voting. Yeah. Uh, you have seen it from Washington, D.C. You have done uh, all kinds of campaigns over the years. I beat the drum all the time particularly people of faith, but everyone, every American should be registered to vote, informed, and casting a ballot. Yeah, I mean— No, look, no unimportant elected office. Yeah, I mean, we, we sit back, some of us sit back and scratch our heads. You, you've been actually very articulate on this uh, from the religious angle, where certain of the values voters or certain in the religious community abstain or stay home because they don't necessarily agree with the theology of a certain candidate. Um, (laughs) If Donald Trump is proving anything, by the way, by the way, if Donald Trump is proving anything, especially when you look at some of the votes he's amassing in the evangelical community, it's that we have appreciated or adopted or absorbed the message that we're not electing a pastor-in-chief. We're not electing a pastor-in-chief. Whether your choice is Cruz, Kasich, or Trump, there's no gainsaying the fact that Donald Trump is having great appeal in the religious or values voters community, even though he may not fit their theological uh, preference or expertise or, 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 or um, affinity. That having been said, yeah, you can't stay home and then complain. And there's been a lot of complaining. For those of us, there used to be bumper stickers. Do you remember, don't blame me, I voted for X. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's too bad we don't have bumper stickers saying, you know, blame me, I didn't vote. Right. And I have uh, – I've seen it, like you said, so many times, and it's infuriating for me personally, but that's the reason uh, I will delve into it occasionally here on the radio program. Yeah. Uh, important issues. What is this – some people were surprised that Trump won so big here in Arizona. Did they not know the temperature of the average Arizonan and their Wild West – you know, no, uh, no, no one knew anything who's professional. A year ago, our, uh, our 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 boss, Jim Ryan, and I were at a Chamber of Commerce lunch. You might have been there. Scott Walker yep. was uh, speaking. And we were speaking with Secretary of State Michelle Reagan and Hugh Hewitt. Our friend Hugh Hewitt was part of the conversation. We were lamenting that the Arizona primary is middle of March. We were all saying, you know, why don't we move it up yeah. so it actually matters, yeah. so it actually counts? Yeah. That was the discussion a year ago. Well, last night, national and international news was on Arizona because it counts. So I think everyone was underestimating uh, the 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 way this election would go. Everyone was, including those who put $115 million into a man who got four delegates. Yeah, and 50, 50% of... Uh 
uh, the balloting was uh, early ballots yeah. and how many uh, cast for Rubio and others. Yeah, right? yeah. no, that's right. So, so you know, we, prob- we probably could move some of this up. I'll tell you what my lament is. My lament really isn't the schedule. My lament is that all those debates were front-loaded with, with, with the circus, mm-hmm. and we don't actually have just a mano-a-mano debate or a debate amongst the three, Trump, Cruz, Kasich. I think that would be tremendously enlightening, probably ultimately helpful to Cruz, uh, probably helpful to Cruz, but uh, by, no, by, no, uh, by no certain terms, um, this is going to go on a little longer. We've got. An it's going to go through the convention. We just haven't had that in a long time. And that's everybody's going. Well, there, I know people are asking me, and I'm no expert. Well, what does that mean when they say X? And I'm like, you know, I haven't seen it. Why would I know? But anyway, uh, we've got just a few moments left here. I want you to talk about an issue that you have. Uh, that had we had the sixty percent turnout um, when uh, when marijuana was on the ballot before especially with people of faith, I don't think we would be even having this discussion now about legalized marijuana being on the ballot. I'll tell you, I could say so much about this. Yeah, this is a passion of mine. Just consider this. We do have medical marijuana in Arizona. It passed by an inch in 2010. There may be some anecdotal and there may even be some medical evidence that there are subpopulations that no other medicine other than marijuana has worked to alleviate their their conditions. I'm willing to admit that. I just want people to think about this. That's not what's on the ballot this November. What will be on the ballot is recreational retail marijuana. If marijuana is a medicine, can you tell me one medicine, one, any, from Advil to Zoloft that we ever suggest should be used for recreational purposes? Of course we don't. If it's medicine, it's medicine. And you can't tell me if it's something that's being used for serious cancer pain or optical nerve damage or 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 any kind of uh, epilepsy uh, or any kind of seizure medication that at that point you are talking about a very very serious anti-convulsive medicine you don't make that recreational uh, that is well articulated and well said and another reason why it's important that you are registered to vote so that you can be a part of this process come november seth leapson Thanks for your time. Nice to see you. Nice to be in the studio, Tom. Yeah, it's uh, being on the other side of the desk for once. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. friend of the Skeens, and as I made the joke walking in the studio, when you, when you kind of in, in that Skeens universe, you know, you've you've crossed paths <laughs> somewhere. I I have gone with uh, Med and Gale, and we've been in California at you know like California um, adventures, mm-hmm. walking down the main concourse, and they'll see somebody they know. I mean, yes. I I don't know that I've ever been out with the Skeens and not had somebody that know them come up or talk or whatever. And I've known them for years now. Right. They 
know everybody, and I love them to death. And uh, uh, that's kind of how you and I uh, kind of connected up. Mike Salmon from uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship. That's correct. Uh, give me a little of your background and then how God's got you working there at the church and what the church is doing. Well, um, you know, it's so funny. I was just, you know, talking in reference to your last guest with Let Us Reason or, you know, the previous guest. Uh, I'm actually, uh, my family's Jordanian. Okay. We're from Jordan. Uh, I was born in New York, you know, and most of my influential years had been here in Arizona. But uh, I came to Christ in uh, March of 1995. Hmm. I gave my life to Christ. I was, uh, I was a bad boy. You know, I was in my younger years. I had found myself in trouble with the law, uh, serving time, and then gave my life in, uh, in the Arizona Penitentiary after two years being in there. Wow. And uh, graduated from Harvester's Bible College, which was a correspondence class a program. Got out, uh, went through Western Theological Seminary, and started uh, immediately into the ministry. And um, I had gone through a lot of, lot of struggles, a yeah. lot of struggles. And, um, you know, in 2007, my wife, or actually 2005, my wife and I, we started a, just a home group Bible studies out of our home. And we started getting a lot of persecution in 2007, telling us that we can't have home studies mm-hmm. in, our, in our living room. And uh, long story short, things progressed and things happened and... Uh, Ultimately, we didn't know what was God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we struggled. There was a, a point of struggling where I asked God, God, you, is this what you want me to do? Because I just don't understand. And in 2012, um, after serving 60 days in jail, I got out um, and I served 60 days for, you know, the Bible studies in mm-hmm. our living rooms or actually in our home. It was a bigger, bigger picture than this. Um, I, I pretty much quit. I gave God. I said, that's it. I'm done. I said, I'm I'm done. I'm finished. And God said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And in December, uh, we we ended up purchasing a property off of Indian School Road and 19th Avenue. Two years later, uh, we are now on 27th Avenue just uh, between in- Glendale and Orangewood, Harvest Christian Fellowship. We have four and a half acres property, sanctuary over 300 people. Um we have a school, a charter school there. We have a youth center that's open Monday through Friday for the kids. Uh, great evangelical program. God has just done tremendous work. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we would never believe where we're at now, um, but God knows what He's doing. Right. He knows. And, what he's and doing. I remember when you were having your challenges mm-hmm. with the city of Phoenix yep. and all the ordinances. And I, 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 you know, I have to say, I prayed for you a lot. Yes. And I. I wonder what did you learn about God's calling on your life through that time? Because, like you said, you've come yeah. from the depths, mm-hmm. and you thought you were doing what God was telling you to do, and you were getting, you know, shut down from every aspect as far as the city of Phoenix was concerned in your situation. Right. You said you're done, but what what did you learn coming out of that? I've learned, I think, what was reassured in my heart that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his will and his purpose. God is so good. He is so awesome that he gives an A for effort. Hmm. He really does. When we really are really wanting to seek God's face, we're like, God, is this really you? Is this really what you want me to do? Do you want me to make the stand? And you really, from your heart, see, God knows the heart. And you're really crying out and you're saying, God, I'm going to make my stand. I really believe this is you. 
that God honors that and mm-hmm. he sees that. And even though you may have been dead wrong, right. God knows how yeah. to change that wrong and turn it right. to make it to your benefit. That is so, that's how good God is. Yeah. He is so good on that. And, and we have seen it. Here we are three years after the fact and where we are at right now, uh-huh. we would never, I would never have imagined that God would have put us where we are at here at that place at Harvest Christian on, on that property where right now, I would never have imagined it. But yeah. that's how good God is. Well, Mike, that's uh, takes a lot of humility to say what you mm. just said, that, you know, right or wrong, uh, God can make it right mm-hmm. uh, even if you didn't get it right, right? That's I mean, that, and I rejoice in that because I know I get it wrong a lot yeah. because that's why the Bible says new mercies every day. That's right. Because I'm going to need them. Amen. I'm absolutely going to need them. There is, you know, uh, Brother Tom, there's no one who's perfect. We are all, even even as believers in Jesus Christ, we think, okay, Lord, I'm really trying to make the right decision. Is this really what you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And again, we we are not always accurate. Sometimes we get it right on. We're like, amen. Yep. And sometimes we don't. But that's the grace of God. That's yeah. where his mercy comes in. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of things even the Apostle Paul didn't do right. For example, when he went into Jerusalem with his head shaved, he got arrested, found himself in, in, in a thing, in, in trials and all this stuff. But then God said, I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm going to use that for my good yeah. and, and convert many in the Roman Empire. That's that's how good God is. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tom, what people don't see is even to this, this day right now, we are, as we are uh, fighting the city in a sense, because what happened to us in 2007 is happening to us even presently. Even though I'm a pastor of, of Harvest Christian Fellowship, we have our own church facility, we have our own property. My wife and I are, are being told that we cannot host home groups in our living room. Um, even though we've sent to the city 10 to 15 people, we just want to have 10 to 15 people, home groups, you know, mm-hmm. um, we are told that we cannot, we have to convert our property into a church if that's what we want to do. So it is the same thing we're happening in 2007 is happening even presently right now. But we are even now we are trusting God and saying, God, you know what you're doing. You know why you're saying why it's happening. You know, we, for example, we look at Moses God tells Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say, I'm going to make sure he says no. Yeah. You know, we know hindsight. We look at Romans 9. He says, God hardened the heart of Moses, or I mean Pharaoh, so that his will and power and glory can be shown. So sometimes God gives us something to say, go and, and ask of this, but they're going to say no. But yeah. don't worry. It's for my purpose. Yeah. So here we are again. We don't know exactly what God wants, but we know God is good. Mm-hmm. We know that whatever happens to us, God knows what he's doing in my life, in your life, in all believers' life. He knows what he's doing, even in this election. Yeah. We don't understand, but we know that ultimately God knows what he is doing. And that is the greatest peace we can have and that he loves us and will not get us into a place where he has not already provided a way of escape yeah, or his purpose in that. Mike Salmon, Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find him online uh, at hcfaz.org. That's hcfaz.org. What are some things that are going on at Harvest Christian right now? 
A lot of things. We have uh, obviously we have our our Sunday resurrection service at ten thirty a.m. this coming up Sunday. Um, as for the ministry itself, we have jail and prison j- ministries where we go into the jails every week. You have a little credibility when you're doing that. Um, been there, you kind of know what when the, somebody's blowing smoke about being there, and yeah, of course, yeah, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, we, it can be you can become very cynical. Like people are in there, they love the Lord, and then they get out, mm. and then they're just right back to their own thing. And it can stop a person from going in there. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. We're we're just planting the seed. We're called to go right. What is it? We're called to go. We're just called to go. We're not called for results. Exactly. <laughs> whether it's it's someone takes or whether they don't, we just plant. We water. Whether even when we're out in the street, we hold up signs and we're just preaching hope. We give out a track or something. We don't. We we don't care. We're just we sow the seed. It's God who does the increase. Mm. It's God who does it. Um, as we have a youth center that's open Monday through Friday for the kids. It gives them a place to get out of the the street. It's got games, you know, playstations and Xboxes for them, pool tables and things. And then at about five o'clock, we give them a Bible study and we give them a snack. Um, we have about 10 to 15 kids who come off the street. Gives them, a, again, a very safe place. Um, what else can we do? You know, yeah. I mean, we wish we don't want to make ourselves too thin because mm-hmm. we want to concentrate right. on these things. Well, that's, you're called to that community. Yes. The name of this program is Koinonia. I mean, it's that's passion right. communion. We're, we're called to commune one with another, and we're called to serve those that are in our, you know, in our, our neighborhoods, yeah. our our, our neighbors. Amen. That's and, right. And uh, we need to, and we serve with love. That's right. You know, I'm, Tom, I'm reminded uh, quickly of a story of about a bishop who was dying, and he said, you know, I, when I was young, I wish I could have changed the whole world. But then as I got older, I said, I wonder if I, I wish I can just change my country. And as I got older, I wish I can change my state. And I wish I can just, then he got older. He said, I wish I can change my city. And then he got older. He said, just, I wish I can just change my family. He says, now I'm on my deathbed. He says, you know, I wish now I would have just changed myself, mm. and then I would have changed my family, and then my city, and then my state, and then my country, and who knows, even the world. It's got to start with where we are at with what God gives to us today. Yeah. We may not have a lot. We may not be the most talented, but what God gives us, he can use tremendously and use it for our advantage and for his glory, like he did with Moses. Yeah. Moses couldn't talk, but what did God say to Moses? Mm-hmm. What do you have? Yeah. The staff, there you go. There you That's go. all Use you need. That. That's right. All right. Uh, the uh, city council uh, is uh, voting this evening yes. uh, to fix or at least attempt to fix the fiasco about prayer uh, to open up with the uh, uh, with the Satanists coming from Tucson. And it just it just kind of got crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got they've they've come up what I what I believe is a good solution. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vote is for that tonight. It passed originally on a 7-2, District 8, Kate Gallego, and uh, uh, Mayor Greg Stanton voted against. But they're going to have the official vote, the second, uh, to to solidify that the the chaplains from police and fire. Police and fire, that's right. uh, I think that's a great solution. I I think so, too. I think it's a great solution. But just wanted to kind of throw that out there so that we're praying for that Amen. this evening. Pray, please. Uh, Mike, would we come back with prayer? Would you pray for us when we come back? Absolutely. I'd Absolutely. be honored. Great. All right. So you're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. And we'll be right back to close it out.
Mike Salmon from Harvest Christian Fellowship is my guest. You can find him online, hcfaz.org. And uh, I encourage you to check him out. Where are you located exactly? We are located at uh, 7310 North 27th Avenue. That's on 27th Avenue between Glendale and Orangewood. And you got a lot of ministry opportunity in a that lot. neighborhood. You mm, sure do. Amen. Mike, I like to close out the program with uh, prayer. And uh, if you would, would you uh, pray for us? Absolutely. Father God, we thank you, Lord. There is no one greater and mightier than you, Lord God. You love us. You care for us. You've given us a way to salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, because you've shown us the way and you've given us the truth, Lord God, your holy word. And I thank you, God, for the work that is being done here in this station and among the churches and the ministries throughout the world, Lord God. We pray, Father God, for our brothers and sisters in Christ all throughout the world, those who are hearing, those who may not know you, Lord God, that they may know that you are a good God and that you love them and that you are full of mercy and grace. Father God, we pray for Harvest Christian Fellowship at this time, God, for the ministry, Lord, that we may be effective and efficient, Father God, to do your work and glorify you. And Father God, we pray what is going on in our city at this time with the prayer ordinance. God, that you will give the council people, Father God, wisdom and the mayor wisdom and those speaking, Lord God. We pray, God, for Sal DeCicio, the one who's forerunner of this, Lord God, that you will bless him, Lord God, and give him the words to speak. God, we pray for our presidential election and those things that are happening there, God. Your will be done, Father God. We love you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor in everything that we do. May you be glorified. May you be praised. And may the word, may the gospel be preached and ministered throughout this world. We thank you for Tom Brown, Father, and the ministry that you have for him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mike, thanks. It's great to get to Thank know you. you better, and we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Maybe I'll put Rick and you on here at the same time. That'd be... Amen. Might be dangerous, but it'd be fun. Huh? Right. Well, you know, I want to say, if people want to know more, they can go to My 8 Gals and I on YouTube okay. and see our life. <laughs> I have seven daughters, so wow. it's pretty fun. All right. God bless you. Blessings. Blessings. <laughs>